Welcome to this week's edition of the Falcon and Focus podcast as we wrap up the 2017-18 school year. My name is Matt Mendel on today's program. I talk with men's and women's tennis head coach Steve Anschutz, but also not only do we talk about the program for both men and women competing in the NCAA tournament, we'll be joined by the director of Concordia Wisconsin Athletics and Dr. Rob Barnhill as we discuss, you know, what this school year has been all about athletically, but also look toward the horizon. But first, let's take a look and recap part of the spring season that has quickly come and is now just about over. And we begin with baseball, where for a sixth consecutive year, they competed in the NAC tournament, which took place this past weekend at Capco Park. And Abel battled through Mother Nature and after falling the opener against MSOE, able to fight off elimination as they knocked off Benedictine, only to be eliminated by Concordia Chicago. It was a tournament that would see Aurora end up winning the tournament championship over Concordia Chicago with both of those teams, Aurora and Concordia Chicago, qualifying for NCAA Regionals. For the Falcons, they finished the year with 23 victories and 19 defeats, their fifth consecutive 20-plus win season. They had 12 seniors who wrapped up their collegiate careers. The 12 seniors leave tied as the all-time winners class in program history. Dan Ranieri, he was named first-team all-conference, and then Scott Plachinski named all-conference honorable mention. In softball, they finished with 22 victories and 16 defeats but just missed out on that tournament play despite winning their last three games and five of their, their last six. They had a sophomore, Molly O'Connell, who was named a first-team all-conference election for a second consecutive year at the, in softball. Women's lacrosse, they went 10-7, and following the Midwest Women's Lacrosse Conference semifinal that against Augsburg 12-11. Seven players earning all-conference accolades with Lauren Paquin being named the co-midfielder of the year. Also honored were... Ellie Woodman, Allison Kirk, whose name is all over the program's record book. You had Caitlin Henry, Nicole DeMayo, Sierra Bond, and Kirsten Sorella. You had men's lacrosse. They lost in the Midwest Lacrosse Conference tournament final against Aurora for the fourth consecutive year, but wrapped up a very successful 13-6 and campaign. Their goalkeeper, Garrett Wolfer, he was named the Midwest Lacrosse Conference Defensive Player of the Year for a third consecutive spring. Paul Fisher, Stephen Gregory, Ben Gramarosa, Mario Borigi, along with K.O. Day, Jack Donnellan, Aiden Connolly, Ryan Bosco, Nathan Okerman, and Sebastian Leck were all also honored by the Midwest Lacrosse Conference. In men's and women's track and field, each team finished third in the NAC Outdoor Championships. Now, individually, at Gavin Flatico in Javelin, along with Silas Hasselbrook in the 110-meter hurdles, and then Craig Reese in the 10,000-meter run, winning individual championships. Also, note Sam Springer. Uh, he was able to break his own school record in the 400. He also had, uh, in that category, Dawson Ziegler, who tied the school record in the pole vault. On the women's side, Nora and Pearl, the 3K steeplechase, along with Cassandra Sprotty in the 800, and then Jennifer Miller in the pole vault. They won individual titles, and then Irene Bolas in the 100-meter hurdles, and then the 4x400-meter relay teams set school records. And women's golf, they went down to Florida. They competed in the NCAA championship as CUW shot 1,173 during its three-round 54-hole stay. And with a new change of the format, the NCAA made a cut, keeping the top 15 teams. And so ultimately the Falcon season would come to a close, but not before Maddie Zastro ended her career by firing an 89 in that third round. As we speak of NCAA tournament competition, men's and women's tennis advancing to the national stage. And when we come back here on the Falcon and Focus podcast, we'll be joined by the Concordia men's and women's tennis head coach, Steve Amstutz, as we talk 
about mental women tennis here on Falcon and Focus. All right, so we continue with the Falcon and Focus podcast, and we join by the men's and women's tennis head coach Steve Anschutz. We begin by by focusing on men's tennis in the week that that was this past week, competing in the NCAA tournament, falling five to two against Grinnell College. But again, the big story was the Falcons became the first NAC tennis program to score a point in the NCAA tournament. And coach, when when you reflect back on last week's experience, what kind of comes to mind? Uh, a lot of hard work, <laughs> a lot of hard work, um, a lot from the players, a lot from the coaches coming all together and just everyone put the time in, everyone wanted the same thing and it came together the way we wanted it to, getting our first points at Nationals. Yeah, and how cool was it to know that you guys were the first to accomplish that in this conference? Really cool. I mean, last year we made it with the men's team and the whole year it was, let's get points, let's see if we can get a W. And it was nice that we never lost focus of that, and we were able to do it. And you look at your number one doubles team, the freshman Nolan Rademacher, you have senior Brad Gundel, you know, guided the, the, the team combined to score the first point ever, as mentioned, scored by a NAC team in the NCAA tournament. How have you seen those two kind of come together and progress as he's gone along? Uh, well, they're, they're two completely different players. Uh, Nolan is very steady, very consistent. Uh, and Brad is just a wonder out there. He can do amazing things. You don't know what you're going to get out of him, uh, and so he's a little bit of a question mark. And when you put those two together, the consistency with the person that can just blow you off the court, uh, they can come together and they can beat any team, and that's exactly what they did. They came out against Grinnell and just took it to him. It was awesome. And when you look at Nolan at number one singles, one is match seven six six three. He's a freshman from Colorado, so a couple yeah. things come to mind. A, how do you get him to come to Concordia, Wisconsin? B, do you expect the freshman to have this kind of an impact so quickly? No, that's a really good question. Uh, we were able to get him because there's a little bit of a family connection here in Wisconsin, which is great. Uh, and then you never really know what you're going to get out of freshmen. I mean, they're freshmen. Are they going to be wonderful or are they going to have some struggles? And he definitely had some struggles, but we also had some really high parts of the season, beating Whitewater, he got an amazing win down uh, in Hilton Head against a D2 team. So there were some really nice things there. And then when we got to Grinnell, he was so focused and just so aligned from a clarity standpoint of the mind that he just cruised. Being a freshman, did he battle with all his confidence throughout the season? You know, sometimes you get those athletes that come from the prep level to the collegiate game and maybe struggle at the beginning and so their confidence maybe lacked. Did he kind of go through some growing pains or was he pretty steady in that area? Uh, no, definitely. I mean, I think every athlete goes through those, and he did too. There was right around the end of our indoor season, he was really struggling. He got a loss against St. Norbert, and I know he was very disappointed with that, and that was a lack of confidence. And so we worked really hard after that, after that to find that confidence again, and I think he found it really well. You look at an athlete like Brad Gundel, who finished his career ranked fifth all-time in program history of 54 singles victories, fourth for 59 double wins. What has he meant to the success of this program? A ton. Uh, he played one doubles nearly all four years. He didn't do it consistently in terms of always playing one doubles. We moved him around a little bit, but he was always one doubles, always doing really well. Uh, I've been really proud of him this year, stepping up in singles. I mean, he's always struggled a little bit in singles because he's always identified himself as a doubles player, but this year he played one singles, two singles. He mixed it up, and he just had an awesome year all around. So who else, in your opinion, stood out this season? Uh... People at different times, but I think C.J. Schaffner, another senior, 
Uh, I know he didn't record-wise have the best year, but he was a rock for our program from a mental standpoint, from a workout standpoint. I mean, he was like the guy who ran everything behind the scenes, as you would say, of a program and really helped in that asset. And Shafton finishing seventh with 41 singles and 51 doubles victories. Overall, the team went 15 and 12, won the NAC regular season and tournament total for a second consecutive year. So, when you, when you think about that, how would you summarize this season? Amazing, just amazing. It's just there's no other way to put it. Everything we tried to do, we did, uh, and now we we've, we've reached a new level where I told the guys we now have new standards, and now next year we have to hold ourselves to those standards, and it'll be really exciting to see if we can do that again. Were there any surprises with the way this season kind of developed and, and materialized? Ah, uh, there weren't. No, no, not really. I mean, obviously with freshman mm-hmm. Nolan Rademacher getting that win against UW was kind of a surprise, but we also knew that he is a high-level player, so we knew that he could do it. I just wasn't expecting him to do it so early in the season. I mean, we played Whitewater the first weekend. Right away, we played them. And so you would expect that maybe later in the season when a person builds that confidence, but he came in with that confidence, which was so cool. And we go from men's tennis to women's tennis, and on the women's side, the Falcons fell in the first round of the NCAA tournament against UW-Whitewater 5 nothing, and mm-hmm. that's a tradition-filled program. But, but you're set for that match. Yeah, I mean, we we did what we could. I mean, we came out, we fought as hard as we can. Uh, they have a ton of seniors on the team, very experienced team. Uh, I would love to play that team again next year where over half their lineup's a bunch of freshmen. I just I think that would be much better for us. And, you know, when you look at the Falcon program, they've now won three consecutive NAC regular season and tournament championships. When you, when you look at the last three years, what do you attribute the, the current success to? Uh, a lot of really good athletes that are mentally focused both in the classroom and out of the classroom, which helps us a lot. So it allows us to stay focused on tennis. Uh, and then we, we have the goals. We talk about the goals. What is our goal? Uh, and there's high standards. I mean, we don't go out there and just play and just, okay, we did what we could. I mean, what did we not meet? What did we meet? How can we improve upon this? There's always that assessment of the goals and improving. And how about your senior class? They will leave here as the winningest class in program history, yeah. 70 and 35. But if it wasn't a type of, what, 37 and 1 in conference play, I mean, that's ridiculous. Yes. And, I mean, numbers speak for themselves, but in your opinion, why was this group so successful? Oh, man, that's a really difficult question for me to answer. I would say they have the unique ability of competing and at the same time not holding on to it. And so they would come, they would compete hard, they would work hard but then they would be able to let it go, where I think a lot of good athletes, they that eats them up inside and it can wear away their confidence, where they would just let it go, and next match they were confident again. Were they players that complimented one another? Were they, I mean, different styles of play, different? Uh, yeah, always different styles of play, but I feel like from a person, personality standpoint, each of those seniors... Like I was saying, they all were competitive, but they were all able to let go of the past and just play whatever was at hand. You look at an athlete like Elizabeth Carroll, who you know leaves as the winningest player and now in program history, 122 combined victories. Wouldn't you realize just how special an athlete that she is and it would be? Uh, I think you mean Sabina Jacobson, 122 victories. Uh, Sabina did an amazing job. Uh, no, I would not have guessed that. Uh, she came in as a player who did tons of different athletics in high school, and then she kind of specialized in tennis in college, and she has worked at her game a lot. And I think really for her it's been more of a mental thing. She's worked at her game mentally, and she is now probably one of my most competitive players ever with evidence of 122 victories. 
overall, the Falcons finishing 20-6 and six overall, the second most wins of the season in program history. Again, on the women's side, how would you summarize this season? Almost just amazing. <laughs> the reason I say that is just because uh, the men and the women play almost at the exact same time. Everything overlaps. Uh, the men got their first couple points. The ladies had an amazing season going 20-6, and six, so a little bit better of a record than the men. Uh, but then they weren't able to get those points at Nationals, and that's still our goal on the women's side. We want to be that team that not only gets points, but gets there and can win that first round or second round and really put people on the edge. For you, is, coaching both, is there a big difference? I mean, both programs are having a great deal of success, but, I mean, is there a lot, di- a lot of differences between the two? Is there a lot of challenges between the two? No, it, it's very similar. I would think the only difference uh, is the women tend to listen a little bit more. <laughs> Uh, but overall, it, it, we do the same process. We have the same philosophy, same goals, uh, and we get the team around it. We get the players on board. And, I mean, every day is the same for both programs, and they both achieve the goals. That's what I like. You're a Concordia grad, 2009. As far as Concordia goes, when, when did you realize that after you were done playing that you wanted to go the coaching route? I knew I always wanted to coach tennis when I was going here at Concordia while being a player. Uh, because when I was a captain, I really enjoyed helping out the players on the team, and so I thought it'd be a really fun career because I was going to, I was going to school to be a teacher, so I could teach and also be a coach. So right when I left, I automatically became a, a teacher and a coach, and I really loved the coaching. And then Dr. Barnhill gave me the opportunity to coach college, and it's just taken off. And from what I understand too, besides Concordia, you had success at the prep level, correct? Yep. Yeah, I had a little bit of success there. It's fun coach some players that went D1, which was really cool. I uh, also coached some players at Nicolay High School. Uh, it was really, really fun coaching those, and those players were very gifted. A couple of them went D1 and stuff. So when you take a look at your coaching career, who do you maybe attribute your success to? Who do you look up to and say, you know what, I like this, you know, style my coaching philosophies and, and, and what I do off so-and-so? Yeah, uh, there is a local pro in the Milwaukee area who is very well known. as The name is Rick Vetter. He was a coach at Homestead High School for a long time. Uh, amazing coach, amazing programs, and so I go to him a lot. Uh, and then I also just I talk to a lot of coaches. I there's another coach by the name of Mike Morgan. He was the women's coach at Middlebury, which is an amazing program, and now he's become the coach at Pomona Pitzer out in California. Uh, he would be one of my mentors that I bounce ideas off of, of how to get at that national level and how to compete at that national level. So both of those guys are guys I would attribute a lot of success to, and just being able to bounce ideas off of. And going back quickly to women's tennis, as we mentioned, Jacobson is the one that I just 122 combined victories, but Carol, not too shabby either, 93 career victories yeah. of her own, so it's a heck of a senior class right there. We talk all about seniors, both men's and, and, and women's tennis. To wrap things up, future outlook, what, what's the outlook for these programs looking like as we go into the offseason? Uh, I think it's getting to that point where, from a recruiting perspective, you're starting to get a lot more interest from those talented players, those tournament players. They're starting to notice Concordia. They're seeing us at the national tournament. Uh, so it's looking at that next level athlete. And then I think it's just, for me personally as the coach, it's looking to not only get there and get points, we want to get rounds. You know, so first round, second round. We want to com- start competing at that level, and that's another level uh, that is very hard to achieve. It, it seems small, but it's really hard to make that small step, and we really want to make it. Well, Coach Antrich, I appreciate your time. Uh, continued success. Congratulations on the success you had this, you know, last couple of weeks. And uh Hopefully we'll have you back on the podcast and not just in the future. Looking forward to it. That is Coach Steve Antwitz with the men's and women's tennis team. When we come back, we'll talk with the Director of Athletics, Dr. Rob Barnhill. Stay tuned and tune into the Falcon and Focus podcast.
Being joined by the director of athletic doctor, <laughs> that's a great way to start. But uh, another school year winding down. And, yeah. And uh, you take a look at, from an athletic perspective, your takeaways from 2017-18. It was a good year. We started out uh, very competitive in, in a lot of our sports in the fall, probably highlighted by volleyball. Uh, we, had a, we had a good winner hosting our first ever uh, NCHA playoff game mm -hmm. uh, for the men. And it was our kickoff of our uh, ACHA club team. So that was good, and the spring was, was really good. So it's been a good year. Well, I think we have a lot of first and second and third place finishers, and so it was a good year. And you talk about you know, ACHA Division II men's ice hockey and among some of the programs added here this school year, men's volleyball, shooting. How about shooting winning a national championship in the optic rifle their first year <laughs> yeah uh we went down there with three kids i think and uh beat some teams that have been around and been doing this for a while uh we're we're fortunate in that a couple of the kids that are were going to school here already uh we're really gifted and our, and our coach uh is he's he's an accomplished shooter himself so he understands what what they need to do to prepare and to practice and and i think he's when we get the roster at the size that we needed, I think we're going to we're going to see a lot of great things out of that program as well. I mentioned ACHA Division Two men's ice hockey, and a question I've gotten here and there, not a ton, but you know, every once in a while, what's the difference between ACHA men's ice hockey and the men's ice hockey team that's been here now for the last number of years, and why the addition? Okay, uh, well, it's it's really it's simple. Uh, there are only sixty Division Three. NCAA ice hockey programs, mm -hmm. uh, and I think there's 50 or 60 or so at the Division One level. My numbers might not be correct, but it, but you'll see what I'm saying. There's mm -hmm. there's not that many spots, not that many institutions sponsor it. Uh, in fact, there was an article written not too long ago that in the past five years, ten years, you've seen the addition of Division One football programs, but you haven't seen a big push in Division One ice hockey. Uh, Arizona State or in Arizona, those, those people, uh, UNLV, mm -hmm. uh, they, they've started to make that push, but there haven't, been, there haven't been a lot. So there are 500 colleges, there are 500 teams, I should say, playing club hockey. And the difference is really the, the top kids go Division One. the next group of kids go to Division Three. And then all the kids that are playing junior hockey or that, that are high school ice hockey players or, or AAA major midget uh, ice hockey players don't have enough places to go. So having a club team provides those kids an opportunity to continue to, to pursue a game they've been playing for 15 years. So if, if there's a niche and a void there, we felt like we could help fill. Okay, and you became athletic director in spring of, what, 2001. And back then you had 19 athletic programs, and now you're up to 30 some or whatever it is today. So first off, you know, you go back, what, 17 years, did you ever, I guess, envision this kind of growth and this kind of a time span? Uh, no, when I first took it over, there were only four of us in the department, and, and you could basically have a staff meeting around a card table. Uh, I had no idea this is where we were going to end up. We were just trying to hold it together. I look back on what the fitness center used to look like. This predates you a little bit, but uh, what the old weight room if you want to call it that, 
what it looked like with all the all the barbells and dumbbells rusted because of the humidity and the moisture down there and the heat and uh the the fitness center was one treadmill one stair stepper and something out of the 60s that served as some type of pre-nautilus thing uh the football the football press box was a duck blind on stilts that if you jump yeah if you jump up and down you're going to go i mean you fall right through the floor uh you could take the back wall and push it and see see green space so yeah we've come a long way from where we were uh to now i mean we we're we're having this conversation about branding and and the the vp of marketing said well how how did we how did we get here i'm like well happenstance i mean we there wasn't anything to market 17 years ago i mean we were just happy to have teams and and what we did have you know it's one of those things when you bring a recruit in for football you'd purposely not walk them back by the stadium you didn't show them any of that stuff uh you didn't talk about the weight room you didn't you didn't mention that you had a fit you didn't do any of that stuff so we've come a long way we really have hey you talk about the growth and and of course i get a lot too is it just Okay, how do you go about it? How does a new sport come to life? Does, does, does somebody come to you? Is it, is it you know, is it something you discuss? I mean, how does it come to life? Uh, well, there are a lot. Of, they it manifests itself different ways. Uh, the majority of them are are born out of my little pea brain, I guess. Uh, but a, as a result to a challenge and a direction from the senior administrative group right so i sit on the council the act the um, the administrative council which is kind of like the cabinet and and we're all charged with development of programs that could be enrollment primers so athletics is part of that when we have we we've been charged with that as well what what athletic initiatives can can we enter into or create or develop that would lead to incremental new student enrollment. And so that's part of it. It's part of the enrollment strategy. It's also part of developing the fabric and culture of an institution too. So, you know, a, a good interview question is what what is the role of intercollegiate athletics mm-hmm. uh, within higher education? It gives faculty, staff, student, alumni, community a common rallying point, something to get behind. Uh, the academic thing is what it is, right? I mean, we're all here to get an education. The athletic piece gives us a way to create esprit de corps and gives us a chance to create uh, campus spirit and, and, and vibrance and, and excitement and enthusiasm. And it gives those kids that have a desire to pursue their sport at a higher level, gives them an opportunity to do it. And, and, if, and if they're going to do it, then why not, why not do it here? Right now, is Concordia happy with the number they're at, or is it always looking to potentially add another program or grow? Well, you're, you're almost at a point, uh, a, a maturity point, where there's not much left. I mean, if you go and look at the NCAA sports that are offered in Division Three, you've got things like bowling, mm-hmm. uh, crew, uh, equestrian sports. I mean, there, th- those types of things um, are, are things that probably we just can't or, or won't do. Uh, we're looking into things now like esports okay. as an up-and-coming thing. Now that's not an NCAA thing; it's more of a club sport, and, and I guess that's the vein in which we're looking to develop. Or some of our club sport offerings uh, housed out of intercollegiate athletics, like esports, like acro tumbling, like like the shooting team, uh, to provide those kids, those, those 
kids that have non-traditional, so to speak, um, athletic pursuits to give them a place to play and a way to represent their institution and, and be a part of the fabric of, of the culture. I know when you look at the conference, there's talks out there that Benedictine may go to Division II, and, and I know it's something even back in my days when I was a student that, you know, students always talked about is why doesn't Concordia try to go to Division II since Parkside is the only Division II program in the state? Is that something that's ever been, I don't know if it's been entertained, or is that something Concordia would ever entertain at some point in the future? All right, well, uh, to be candid, we have gone through the exercise of looking at what it would be like to go Division I. That led us to a discussion of, all right, we're not going to be able to do that. And to do that, you have to go through Division II anyway. So we, what would it look like for us to be Division II? And, and we went through the exercise. The same league that Benedictine's talking about joined, we, we talked with them. Uh, we had a place for all of our sports to fall. The, we, we, then what that would have meant for us is we, were going to prop, we would have to elevate ice hockey to Division I. I was really excited about that prospect. <laughs> But all of that comes at a pretty heavy price tag. Mm -hmm. And we, we talked about the economics of it. And then it looked like the, uh, the, the impediments to entry into that for us financially uh, outweighed the benefit. So then we talked about being the best Division three institution we can. And so now we focused on that. So we, we went through the exercise. It just sure. didn't work for us. Yeah, I don't want to start rumors out there that Concordia's thinking about it. No, no, we, we you, went, you we, hear about it. this was, oh, man, I bet we had that conversation six, seven years ago. Okay. And there's a folder in there somewhere that's got all the data and, and all the information. And so we did. We did the due diligence. We looked at it. We talked about it. It was never lifted up to the level of formality. It was more the, the president charging me with taking a look at this stuff and the president, the CFO, and myself sat down and said, ah, and it just was decided this is why I wasn't for us. Well, that's exciting about the campus too, and we talk about this all the time, is the facilities. I mean, you look out your office window and look back 17 years and what it looks like now out there and new indoor uh, practice facility opening up this winter and softball now, talk about new softball mm -hmm. facility, a new press box for, or a press box for soccer and lacrosse. So there's always changes, and there's more coming. Lots to be excited about. Yeah, I just well, I just drove out to look at the new pad. They poured the concrete landing and pad for uh, the new press box that's going up in lacrosse and soccer. Talked to CFO this morning. We're beginning the the planning stages for for softball. The funding has been acquired, so now it's just a matter of going to the city and getting approval. And then our plan should we should we be granted approval is to move forward with the softball stadium in August or September. Opening up of Catalyst uh, Sports Training Center has been outstanding. It's served uh, baseball, softball, lacrosse, soccer uh, very well. We're fortunate that we have a senior administrative team and we have a group of donors and, and uh, supporters that want to see us have success, and it takes that. right? It really does take a village to get some of this stuff done. Uh, I'm excited about the, the things that we're doing now, and, and I still have a really big vision for something, you know, really, really super sick, but it takes a lot of money to get that. Of course, we're at Capco Park, which has hosted the NAC Baseball Tournament for a sixth consecutive year. Thinking through this past weekend, obviously Mother Nature was a big story, lost out all Friday, but, but what goes into that and then just all that needs to happen for a successful event to, to run here? Weather. <laughs> we need good weather. No, but we're, you know, so go back to what I was saying about the administration. You know, we talked about building Capco, and there was such a resistance to turfing that field 
that there was conversations about we'll just turf the infield or we'll just turf the outfield and 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 I really wanted to challenge people on the short-sightedness of that and so what that means is now we have a place in this conference and really in this geography we're one of the only places that regardless of as long as it doesn't rain and wash out the mound uh, or lightning we're going to get games in and had we been short-sighted and not done that, had the administration not embraced the wisdom of that, then, then you know, we, we would be in a different place. But the facility allows us to do a lot of things. Then Steve Crook and, and then the sports information staff and you guys, I, the baseball thing, we've done it enough now mm-hmm. that I, I was trying to do the financial reconciliation stuff on Sunday. I was getting the templates together, and I realized I don't have a folder started. And I usually have folders for everything. Well, that goes to show you how seamless this thing is to run now uh the folder is two inches thick from when we ran it the first time well we've done it so long now that we kind of it's old hat everybody understands how to do it and and we have such great people doing it i don't have to stress much about it because we've got a team full of people that show up and, and know what they're doing and do a great job what i love too is if you're out here early enough on sunday they can see you raking the, the pictures mount in <laughs> the reason i love that is because it just shows you at division three athletic director you wear many hats don't yeah. you yeah yeah we have a, we have a saying around here you know there's barry alvarez <laughs> raked a mound and somebody said no because they don't have baseball uh but usually it's, you, you think Barry Alvarez is doing this, and the response is always, well, you ain't Barry Alvarez. Uh, it, it is, it, at this level, it, it, you, there's going to be a certain amount if you're going to get your hands dirty. And, and I actually don't mind that. In fact, I, I was at Nebraska not too long ago, and, and their athletic director at Nebraska came from Division Three. He was at, at Whitewater. Okay. And I was talking with him, and I said, what do you miss? He goes, honestly, the minutia. I miss getting my hands dirty because now at this level, at his level, it's all executive. You, you know, he's at 30,000 feet. The the boots on the ground stuff, he's so far away from. He, mm-hmm. he doesn't know what's going on really because he's got an army of people doing it. So um, it, it, it's – do I mind raking the mound? No. You know, I've, I've plowed snow. I've cut grass. I've painted bleachers. Uh, I've washed uniforms. I, I've done all that stuff. It doesn't bother me. It, it keeps you grounded too, right? I mean, if if, if it's got to be done, somebody's got to do it, and you look around, it's you. So just, it's okay. I don't mind it. One of the changes that, that some of the students may realize and recognize when they come to the, you know, up to the athletic department come next year, the fact there's going to be a new secretary. Dottie Larson is, is no longer the athletic secretary. Yeah. He retired after 20 plus years. What does Dottie meant to the athletic department as a whole and keeping everything sane up here? Well, when when go back to 17 years ago when there were just four of us, one of them was Dottie. <laughs> So it's just the four of us, and and out of that, I mean, she's been here through it all. She predates me, and uh, I, you were at her retirement thing, I think, and and I or were you there? I'm no, no, okay. So I was at the. Re- uh, I'm talking about her day at school. No, you weren't here. No. Were you? There? You were. Okay. I saw her last day. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, I, I was, I was there, and I had to talk. And I told people that's the third longest relationship with a woman I've ever been in, right? My mom, my wife, and Dottie. And, and that's three women, basically, that have controlled my life and all my adulthood. So, uh, and childhood, for that matter, I guess. But So we, we're going to miss her a lot. She's been here through thick and thin. I mean, you, you go out there and look at all the just the pictures of everyone's kids. You know, 17 years ago, none of those people were here, and none of those yeah. kids were born. And then, you know, we, we, we built all this together, and she was here, and she was so much a part of it. We're going to miss her. I told her the other night on Monday night, we had a little send-off thing over the Holland House. Like, you know, you're, 
you're not going to be replaced. There'll be a new person sitting in the mm-hmm. in the seat, but replacing you is impossible. The shoes are just too big. And we started listing out all the things that Dottie does. I mean, think about this. We had Dottie when we had 19 sports. We had Dottie when we had 30. So we've enhanced this office. We've enhanced athletic training. We've enhanced strength and conditioning, but we didn't add any more Dotties. <laughs> she just kept doing more and more work. Uh, so now we we find ourselves having to really replace an all star and, and uh, it's one of the, I'm in denial I'm not gonna lie I'm I'm just one of those things. Your comeback next week, right? Well, I just want to walk in and see somebody <laughs> without going through the process of having to do interviews and training people and uh, I think what I'm about to find out talking about wearing many hats is I'm gonna learn how to do all those things that have been done every day because there is no one here to do them so I I'm. I'm excited for lifelong learning. Hold on for Concordia Athletics as we start to wrap things up. The immediate outlook, the future of this athletic department, what, what does it look like? We, the great thing about athletics is there's always next year, right? And uh, there's always a pursuit. Maybe that's why I like the most about it. There's, it's a hamster wheel. You got to go, go. You got to keep running because there's always a race to be won, right? And if you if you want it, that's great. You got to go race again and win again. So there's always that pursuit to get better. If you finish second, we want to finish first. If you finish first, we want to go to the NCAA. If you if you won the first round, go to the second round. You know, we we need to continue to develop our programs. Uh, we need to continue to develop our facilities. There's just there's so much more out there to do. I mean, I I, I long for the day where there's a $50 million building that we're coming into every day that's got a 70-yard turf field, a legitimate indoor track, uh, all of our offices in one spot, uh, a wrestling room, a student-athlete-only fitness center and weight room. Uh, all of those things are, are the future, and it's just when when will we find ourselves there. And finally, for you, okay, summer's about here. What's on the agenda this summer? Huh, work I, or non-work? Well... <laughs> Work will be here. Work is what it is. I mean, the summertime is a chance for us all to rest and, and do things. So I, I like to hunt. I like to fish. I like to play golf. Uh, I went turkey hunting this morning, and I didn't get anything. I hit a bucket of golf balls yesterday and realized I stink. And then I coached my little team, my little league baseball team, and, and we went 0-3 on the weekend. So I'm hoping there's more out there for me. Uh, and I haven't gotten my boat out to go fishing, and, and I don't think they're catching fish in Lake Michigan right now anyway. So... That's my summer between coaching the little league, trying to hunt, trying to fish, trying to get better at golf, and then my oldest kid's going to play junior hockey. So getting him prepared for that, we're having, you know, my oldest son's leaving the house and he's graduating high school. So we got a lot going on, but I'm excited. I'm glad it's here. The weather finally changed. Oh, shit, right? So it'll be good. Well, Dr. Barthold, thanks a lot for your time. Keep yeah, Matt. Success, and uh, before you know, we'll see you in August, September. Yeah, okay. Thanks a lot, guys. More to come as we wrap things up here on this edition of the Falcon and Focus podcast. Well, as we bring you back to the Falcon and Focus podcast, wrapping things up and wrapping up our school year again, we thank both Coach and Schultz along with the athletic director, Dr. Rob Barhill. He's a very colorful AD. We love having him around. And uh, obviously the future is very bright here on the Concordia University of Wisconsin campus. But... Uh, when you look at the, the calendar for this school year, there's only really one remaining athletic event that involves track and field as they wrap up their season. They compete in the North Central Gregory Invitational with the hope maybe to qualify for the uh, next week's NCAA Division Three Outdoor Track and Field Championships in La Crosse, Wisconsin. 
Congratulations also, we want to mention the Falcon women athletes who, for a second consecutive year, a record at six time overall, they won the NAC All Sports Award. Good work to those athletes. Best of luck to not only the, the athletes, support the students, exams, enjoy your summer. Also, a reminder to check out cwfalcons.com and now throughout the, the offseason, I'm told we can also expect a new look to the website, but look for athletic updates. And then from a scheduling standpoint, start looking ahead. The countdown begins for the fall. As of now, the first fall event will be men's cross country competing against MSOE in a two-mile duel. That coming up on August 22nd. And as far as the home schedule goes, men's soccer hosting Beloit coming up on August 31st at 5 p.m. And also, hot off the press, also told that from a softball standpoint, Molly O'Connell was named first team all region. So congratulations to the soon-to-be junior. Thanks to all of our coaches, athletes, support staff, you the fans for another great and successful school year. On behalf of Steve Schauer, Brian Schiffling, our athletic communication department, Matt Mendel saying so long, have yourself a great off season, and we'll talk to you again next fall. Thanks for joining us for this Falcon in Focus podcast.